It's a song I used to sing when I was a child in First Baptist Church in Hunter, Texas. And it still rings true today. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. morning. I call today's talk, It Doesn't Matter. Now, what does that mean? Because it seems like so many things matter. But let's get our priorities here. My opinions don't matter. God does. Spirit does. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Before you form your opinions, before you form your outrage, before you form your... Uh, indignant thoughts seek ye first the kingdom of God ask yourself am I loved by God am I loved by God and many of us would say I don't know <laughs> and it's and it's and I understand I make an assumption I am loved by God but I don't think God is a person that could not love me I was taught very clearly early on in my metaphysical training that God God doesn't really love me because God can't not love me. God is love itself. And so we exist out of love. And, and so uh, and to look at it that way, that means I am in love. Can we say that together? I am in love. I'm in love. I can't not be in love. And it's not always so squishy. 
love isn't always particularly squishy. And a lot of what I'll call awful stuff is happening on earth right now. It's not dissimilar to biblical times. And it's mean. And it's all based on forgetfulness. All of it. All, all of the stuff we're seeing are based, or is based, on uh, forgetfulness. It is forgetting we are one. It is forgetting all beings are one. There, in truth, there are no countries, there are no cities, there are no states. I don't even know that there's a world. But there is actually nothing or no thing to separate us. And that's why I say it doesn't matter. My opinions don't matter. My outrage, it doesn't matter. It affects us all, don't get me wrong. This stuff affects every single being. Every time I get on Facebook and I write an unkind comment, it affects everybody. Every time I go to social media and I make a separatist comment, it affects everybody. Every time I get together with one of you and I make a separatist comment, even if it's funny, it affects everybody. It doesn't just affect the people in the room. It's, it's far more invasive than, than uh, COVID. Because you see, if I have a good gossip fest with you, I take that with me. I take that energy with me. I take that hatred with me. Say, it's not hatred. We were just being funny. And I get it. I like to be funny. And it still implies separatism in my mind. And so then I get together with the next person with a separatist mind that we are somehow separate. And we don't need race to be separate. We just need one funny conversation. We need one upsetting conversation. We need one dose of forgetfulness. And we spread it like wildfire throughout the universe. And... and, and what it takes to remember, and it takes a lot to remember. Anybody? You know, how many times have you forgotten and how hard is it to remember? It's kind of like an alcoholic who, who got sober and then drinks and they get the taste for it again. How hard it is to just put it down. A drug addict, a cigarette, that's why I don't dare have a cigarette even. Because I'll be back, I'll be smoking Cigarettes like, like nobody's business, because I enjoyed that a lot. And, and I, uh, even though I would know it's not a healthy thing for me, it makes me forget God, makes me forget myself, it makes me forget other people, I would keep on doing it because I would for, have forgotten that it uh, is so detrimental to my spiritual life. And when I forget my spiritual life, nothing matters. When I forget God, it doesn't matter what I think and what I do. When I forget my, my, my brothers and my sisters, then it doesn't matter what I think about them or what I say about them. When I forget myself, it doesn't matter. So you see, it doesn't matter falls in several categories. Uh, when I forget, it doesn't matter. When I'm in truth, and I, when I say truth, I don't mean my truth. I mean the truth, that which does not change. When that happens, then uh, 
all that other stuff doesn't matter. If I think I'm under attack, it doesn't matter. I'm not under attack. And I, I can know that when I remember my spirit self, when I remember my God self, when I remember your God self and your God self and your God self. When that happens, then that other stuff, oh, that doesn't matter. My past doesn't matter. Therefore, I don't have to take on guilt in my mind. Therefore, I'm sorry, I just heard an odd noise in the back of the house. Uh, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> that weird noise in the back of the house does not matter. That I got distracted doesn't matter. Because you see, God is. And God is always going to be God. Thank goodness. We're going to talk more about that in the upcoming weeks. And, and so to begin to look at th think of these things, you know, um, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Oh my goodness, imagine if we did that every single day. Imagine. I, I want to read something here. Maybe a few things. There we go. Uh, th this came off the Truth Unity website. Mark Hicks wrote this first part about Emily Cady's uh, book, Lessons in Truth. And he says that, I am convinced that the religion we know as Christianity is entering into an entirely new era, which can be called metaphysical Christianity. Christianity's first area, er, area, era, was the Catholic era, ran through the first thousand years. And the Catholic era grew out of the Roman Empire and eventually overran the 1,000-year Roman rule of power and oppression with a Christian rule of oneness and order, at least in theory. The second era, the era of evangelical Christianity, began to form with the expansion of trade, the revival of classical philosophy, and especially the widespread use of the controlled experiment to discover new knowledge. I know it's difficult to associate the term evangelical with such progressive trends, but what we know today as mod modern modernity uh, would never have come about without the rebellion of Luther and Calvin against the suffocation of Catholic order. And then we get the third era, and that's of metaphysical Christianity. It's emerging from the limitations of modern modernity and is emerging, I don't use that word a lot, it is emerging to provide solutions to problems that modernity uh, has not been able to overcome. Deeply rooted racism and hatred, uncontrolled destruction of nature and the environment, and persistent alienation and meaninglessness. That, that jumped out at me so much. I, and it, we're, it, I love that, that the metaphysical Christianity is emerging to provide solutions that, that the, the evangelical stuff uh, didn't, was not able to overcome. Deeply rooted racism and hatred. Uncontrolled destruction of nature and the environment. And if you really want to see, know about that, go outside now that we haven't been destroying the environment so much and see how growing it is. And persistent alienation and meaninglessness. There's a tremendous amount of meaninglessness uh, in our conversations, in our gatherings, in our... Look at how much some of us, just when we're at home alone, how much we just talk about nothing. How much we talk about nothing with our pets, how much we talk about nothing with, our, with each other. So many of us do not get together to talk about uh, our newest God revelation.
Especially, you know, if we're drinking a lot and smoking a lot and doing that kind of stuff. We're not talking about that. There's nothing worse than a drunk who wants to let you know how important their next thought is. Uh, except maybe a not non-drunk who wants to let you know how important their next thought is. And, and so metaphysical Christianity is based on a new sense of the reign of God. Not on the order of the Catholic era, nor the discovery and intellectualism of the evangelical era, but rather on the sense of pervasive divinity of this new metaphysical era in which we are rapidly moving. The roots of metaphysical Christianity, at least in the United States, is transcendentalism. And if you want to know what that is, I'll tell you. It's a philosophy based on the idea that divinity pervades all nature and humanity, asserting the existence of an ideal spiritual reality that transcends the empirical and scientific and is knowable through intuition. Emily Cady, in Lessons in Truth, in the chapter Statement of Being, explains how divinity pervades all nature and humanity and assets the existence of an ideal spiritual reality. Ms. Cady explains the pervasive, this is in 1893 she wrote this, she explained the pervasive, pervasiveness of divinity in two sentences, each two words long. God is, man exists. God is, man exists. Because you see, God, God doesn't exist because to exist is to exit out of something. And God just is. God didn't exit out of anything. We came out of God. And so if you look at that, I am a God being. And all beings are God beings. And we would do well to begin to think in those terms. And I know it's tough, but for some of us, for some of our thinking, and don't make exceptions anymore is what I'm saying. No matter what, God is, I am. God is, man exists. It doesn't get any tighter than that. What God is, life, love, wisdom, and power, becomes what each of us is destined to be. Father God, expressing such divine qualities, is pressed out in us as Mother God. God as transcendent spirit becomes Christ in us as imminent substance, the very foundation of our spiritual reality. How we exist how we stand forth out of God as expressions of the pervasive divinity of God enables us to take on racism and hatred, loss of compassion, the destruction of our environment, and our alienation from life. The era of metaphysical Christianity is here. And I encourage all of us to practice it immediately if you're not already doing it, and if you are, to deepen that practice. See what can be interrupted. And this, this comes from Romans 10, 12. And it says, rather than telling Christians to ignore the discrimination against Gentiles, uh, Paul addressed it head on. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on the Lord. So look at that. Everyone who calls on God sincerely, uh, is going is being helped. Everyone that wants to know God can and is knowing God. Everyone. Now, sometimes the best we can do is, oh God, help me. But to say, oh God, help me, without the belief that one could be helped, you know, even 
50%. Without that belief, how could one accept? It, it, you know, it's like the flood story and the person, you know, the, the what is it, the boat comes along and says, come on, we're getting, oh no, God, God's going to help, God's going to take care of me. And he's up on the second floor and something else comes along and they say, come on, oh no, God's going to help me and he's up on the roof finally and a helicopter comes along and, oh good. Come on, let's go. And he says, oh no, God's going to help me. And then, of course, he drowns. And he gets to the kingdom. And God says, and he says to God, why didn't you help me? He says, I sent you a boat, a plane, and a helicopter. I know I messed it up a little bit, but you get my point. We, we, are, we are sent help for our every need. We are always sent what we need by way of the universe. Sometimes it comes through people, sometimes it comes through a divine idea. But if I am too grounded in my sense of separation, in my sense of I am my own God, in my forgetfulness, how, how could I possibly see? Now, I, I used to have a friend who, who used to say, oh, that was very higher power-ish. And I'd say, everything is very higher power-ish. It's all God. Don't make it special because you liked this one, because you happen to notice this one. Every time we want to hurt ourselves, and we don't, even in the subtlest ways, it's very higher powers. But what about the days we hurt ourselves? What about the days we forget? Is God absent? No. God is not absent, nor is God sitting like this, mad at us. God is. I am. God is. Man exists. So let's... Read this from the Holy Spirit's interpretation of the New Testament. And it comes from chapter 14, I think. <laughs> I believe this is it, I think. Nuts. Let me look. Because I really want this one and I... Yeah, it's Acts 13, 42, 48. Told you. And it starts down here. Nothing... That all is separate. Separateness is the illusion. Separate wills and separate desires are all illusion. Anything that seems separate and in conflict is illusion in illusion's form. For all things are one and all things work together for God. There is no separate purpose. There only seems to be a separate way of understanding purpose. And even that is illusion. When you are looking at the world and seeing conflict... You are looking through the eyes of illusion. During this time, illusion has been chosen by you, but you are only looking at illusion, and you are not even looking at illusion as the illusion that it is. For all illusion is the expression of freedom, and conflict is not freedom. To see conflict is to see illusion through another layer of illusion, which you have chosen to experience. To see Illusion as the expression of freedom is to see illusion as it truly is. And this is why the Holy Spirit celebrates its invitation to meet with you within your dreams. The Holy Spirit celebrates your truth, which is your freedom. The Holy Spirit is grateful for it. So, if you're looking at the news and you see upset, and if you've looked at the news in the past few days, you've seen a lot of upset. And I know, what are you going to say? This is illusion. I, I don't know that I suggest you say that. But I do suggest you uh, go to God. Go within, to the highest voice within, the superconscious mind, the Christ mind within you, and say, tell me 
how this is working together for God. I am open, I am willing to hear. Tell me, what is the truth that is happening here so that I don't tell myself something other than truth? Tell me, what is good here? I am willing to know. And then ask yourself, am I? Am I willing to know? Am I? Do I want to know the truth if it won't support my outrage? Do I want to know love in this if it will take away my victimhood? Because you see, if my victimhood dissipates into nothing, everyone's victimhood dissipates into nothing. Would you be willing to give up your outrage if it meant all the outrage in the world would go? Would you be willing to give up your victim if all the victim in the world would just vanish and become the no thing that it is? Would you be willing to give up your lack so that all the lack that ever seems to exist just dissipates, falls away into nothing? Would you give up all in harmony? Would you give up all resentment? Would you give up anything that is not true in order to know the truth? This, these are big questions. They're simple answers. Not easy, but they are simple. And to take on love, abundance, goodwill and harmony for oneself in order that all beings may experience it. See, there we go. Let there be peace in earth and let it begin with me. That's what that's about. And so, will you and I uh, not, not even sacrifice, but give over? Give over our thing and seek ye first the kingdom of God. Will we give over what's not true about us in order to know what true what is true about us? Will we do that? Could we do that? I suggest we all pray on it. And we seek first the kingdom of God. Thank you.